Welcome to Reading Between the Reels. I'm Matt Leader. Uh, today is a bonus episode, and we're, j- we're just letting you know that we'll be back to our regular episode next week. I'm Craig Dickinson. Today on the show, we're going to be sharing uh, some special audio from a recent Zoom session we had for a Star Wars discussion between our students and Jeff McGee. And for those of you who don't know, Jeff McGee is the CEO of Marvin Dog Media, where he hosts and produces several podcasts, including Talking Toys with Taylor and Jeff, the pilot episode, Saturday Morning Supercast, and a show I've been on, Banther Banter, a Star Wars chat show. And he's also, on top of all those things, he's the co-host of Star Wars Splash Page, which is a comics-centered podcast. Uh, He's a great guy. Uh, He's a former Coffee with Kenobi blogger, so I kind of know him through that as well. And he was gracious enough to uh, share some of his time with us uh, discussing Star Wars with our students. So hope you enjoy the audio from that. Mr. McGee. Hello, Mr. Dickinson. (laughs) Welcome back. And class. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump in. They're going to raise their hand when they're ready to ask a question. I'll call on them and uh, I'll just direct it to you and we'll see what we can come up with. Excellent. Are you guys all in the classroom today? Yeah, that's how we're doing it because we oh, have wow. to keep, continually uh, keep our distance from each other. And, and normally I just squeeze kids together in the middle of the room and <laughs> use one camera right. and one microphone. And uh, this is our workaround, our, our, Excellent. our COVID protocol workaround. Excellent. I'm, I'm fortunate that I've been working at home for the last year. So uh, you get to see all of this yeah. at no extra charge. <laughs> there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as soon as you have a question ready to go, uh, go ahead and click the button to raise your hand. I'm keeping track of who is participating because that's how we're doing grades today. Uh, And uh, we'll start with uh, Garrett. So Garrett, go ahead and unmute and ask your question. In the last movie, Anakin appeared as himself when he died as Darth Vader. Why is that? That's an excellent question. Uh, it's one that uh, I wish had a, I had a better answer for. The prevailing theory is that once he became Darth Vader and ceased to be Anakin Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker died. So technically, when he died as Anakin Skywalker, he looked like the young and handsome, I guess depending on your opinion, Hayden Christensen. So that when he appeared to Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, I'm assuming that's what you mean by the last movie. um, He is now in his form as a younger Anakin Skywalker. When the film came out in 1983, it was an older guy, an older gentleman standing there. And the, the problem either way is Luke wouldn't really know who that was, would he? Because he's never seen any pictures of, of Anakin Skywalker he never knew his dad, so if it because it didn't look like the the burned up guy that he saw without the mask on at the end of Return of the Jedi, how would he even know who it was? I guess you could assume that the Force tells him and he felt his spirit, but that's that's the theory that I've always been told, and that's sort of what I had worked out on my own ahead of time when I saw it in '97 when they or changed it, or no, I guess it was in 2005 or six when they changed it. That was the explanation I came up with in my head, and this was one time in my life when I was correct. What does everybody else think about that? Yeah. You guys have any other theories with that? You can go ahead and unmute and jump in if you have a, an idea about why, how that works with, with young Anakin at the end of Return of the Jedi, and then we'll go to Corey's question. Maybe it wasn't uh, 
what's it called? The Force, when Anakin died, maybe he was last seen as, uh, like, when he, oh, I can't talk. When he turned from Darth Vader back to Anakin, he was um, going back from the dark side to the light, or the Jedi's. So maybe instead of appearing as Darth Vader in the end, he appeared as Anakin because he went back to the Jedi's. And that that's always been my theory as well, but I'm still I'm still confused as to why since he did make a late stage reversal, technically he he was he was Anakin Skywalker at that point, in my opinion. So that's just one of the that's one of those that's one of the great things about Star Wars is that it, it uh it generates this kind of discussion and there there's oftentimes more than one quote unquote correct answer for something, which I think is the uh, a trademark of really great art when it can be, uh, can be interpreted in multiple ways. Good call. Uh, so Corey, did you have a, another question as well? I did. Um, I forgot what movie it was called, but when, Luke went down to the Dagobah system to go see Yoda, right? He didn't know who Yoda was, and he just knew that he was a Jedi Grandmaster. Or Master, I don't remember. When he crashed his ship, do you think it was Yoda who, like, crashed his ship for him so that he could learn? Or do you think that that was, uh, happened just because, like, his ship crashed? Hmm. Or... I th- that was the Empire Strikes Back, by the way, the greatest movie ever created in the history of anything. Uh, I that's an interesting. I'd never thought about that being something that Yoda did. The only reason I would think that it wasn't Yoda is because Yoda at least pretended to not want to train him to, uh, in that movie. Um, I certainly think that the Force was moving in that moment, but I also know that there was so much. Uh, force activity on that planet you know we had one side of the planet that was really strong with the dark side and yoda's part that was really strong with the light side uh i've always sort of assumed that those things it was sort of a a force storm uh along with all the vegetation and everything that was knocking out all of his uh all of his equipment and his his uh what's the word i'm looking for his uh meters and everything that caused the crash so a lot of Star Wars gets uh, gets explained away by the will of the Force, but I think in this scenario, it was definitely something Force-related. I don't know if it was necessarily Yoda himself doing it, but I can't discount that. That's something I've never thought of before, Corey. That's a, that's a great question. I think there may actually be something to that. I think if you want to look at it that way, I think that's a perfectly uh, reasonable, perfectly valid uh, reading of it. All right, we're going to take another question from Garrett while the rest of you figure out what you'd like to say. So I heard this theory one time that Force Ghost appears stronger with more life on a planet or more life around it. That's why on planet Hoth, uh, uh, I mean Obi-Wan, appeared really light. And on uh, the planet Yoda was on, when when Obi-Wan appeared, he was very... uh, seeable instead of on Hoth when he was like very light looking that I've I've never heard that but it makes perfect sense because the the force is uh you know is made up of of living things and it feeds off of living things and that makes perfect sense it would also explain why 
on Endor at the end of Return of the Jedi, they all appeared very, uh, very clearly. The only time that that, well, no, even I was thinking even Ochto, did you guys watch the new trilogy, Mr. Dickinson, or was it just, just the original? Yeah, we just did episodes one through six. Okay. So if you, if you go to watch the last Jedi, which is episode eight, uh, spoilers, there is a force ghost that appears there and uh, he's very visible, but there is also a lot of life on that planet. So that that actually, that makes perfect sense. The only thing that I can think of that would make it difficult to uh, to prove is that Hoth is really the only time we saw a force ghost appear on a basically lifeless planet. Uh, but uh, it would be interesting because I know at the we, we never saw any force ghosts on Tatooine, as far as I remember, until the very end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. And they weren't extremely corporeal at the time. So maybe there's something to that, Garrett. That's interesting. I'm going to have to look into that more. I think there's probably something to that. Yeah, I like that. I've, I've never heard that either. But uh, either. You, Every time I do one of these, uh, your, your kids uh, blow my mind. They bring something up that I've never thought of before. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Kaiser, why don't you jump in? Uh, I was wondering in episode six why did yoda say tell luke that he had to go confront darth, darth vader to become a real jedi i think that was because uh, he well first off his training was extremely truncated we know uh, he only went through but at most maybe what a month a few weeks or a month of training whereas most jedi you know have a lifetime of training so i've always felt that that was more of a uh, more of a spiritual lesson for him than an actual like force lesson or, or ability lesson. It was, you have to face your ultimate fear and overcome it because fear, as we all know, is a path that leads to the dark side. And so I think Yoda, while he did know that, that Vader was his father, he also knew, or at least supposed that that would be the thing that would bring balance to the force. So it was all a part of Luke's uh, spiritual journey more than his educational journey. That's how I've always taken it. Does that make sense? Awesome. Uh, Rio. Um, in Revenge of the Sith, why do you think Palpatine had saved Anakin and placed him in the black armor? Oh, that's, that's, uh, that he, he was, he was Palpatine's plaything. Uh, he was his lap dog. Uh, if you, uh, if you read the, the comics that are going on right now, one of the, the things that I do in star Wars is I host a, uh, Star Wars comic review podcast and the Darth Vader comic that's going right now uh, is really going into the psyche of Darth Vader and Palpatine and their relationship. And Palpatine had already invested a lot in this character. You, you could take the, uh, the story of Darth Plagueis the wise when he talks about him creating life. I've always taken that to mean that it's sort of hinting that either Plagueis or Palpatine are the ones who manipulated the, the force to create Anakin Skywalker. So if you think of it from that standpoint, he's been grooming him this entire time to be his his apprentice, his second in command. And knowing that he was able to save his life and put him in you know this armor and everything, save his life, it gave him that much more um, that much more of the upper hand with him, gave him that much more power over him because he could always fall back on, well, look. I saved your life. No matter what you think of me, I did save your life. So that's sort of what I've always taken it to mean. It was nothing to do with Palpatine having a soft spot in his heart for, for Vader, because I don't think Palpatine has a soft spot in his heart for anyone except maybe himself. And I'm not even sure he likes himself that much. Uh, so that's how I've always taken that. It was nothing that he was doing out of 
kindness or anything. It was all in, in service of this ultimate plan that he had to achieve absolute power. And he just needed, he needed, he was, he was the emperor's hand is what he's referred to as a lot of time, a lot of times. And that's, that was him basically making sure that not only did he maintain his emperor's hand, but in a lot of ways it made Vader even more powerful because he had all of this, uh, the, the the black armor and everything made him even more intimidating. Uh, so we got a couple of questions in the chat, but I'm going to save those until we run out of questions with people's hand raised. So we'll go to uh, Danny. Why don't you go ahead and ask your question? Why didn't they change? Ooh, Ooh that hurts. Luke's last name. Why did they or why didn't they? Why didn't they? They changed Leia's. Right. Well, Leia got... got uh, got adopted by the Organas. I think, I, I don't think there's a good answer for that because had they, had they changed it to Luke Lars, obviously that sounds like a, to me, that sounds like a rapper. I don't know why, but Luke Lars sounds like a, like a modern day rapper. Uh, I think mostly it had less to do with story and more to do with the fact that the character was called Luke Starkiller to begin with. And George Lucas at the last minute, somebody decided that Starkiller wasn't, the best name for your hero so he changed him to skywalker and as a result luke skywalker a is a great name uh and i think mr dickinson would probably agree with that as a better name than star killer anyway so i don't think it has anything to do with any any uh, rational or logical decision made in the story i think it's just a matter of the keeping with the literary uh, idea that this is his father would if, if we knew from the beginning it, we assume that that george lucas knew that vader was going to be his father then anakin skywalker and luke skywalker shared a last name because they shared a lot of the same um, weaknesses strengths and weaknesses and the important thing to remember with leia is george lucas has gone on record as saying when he started out he hadn't planned on them to be brother and sister so had that been the case from from the from the jump uh, that might've been different, although it would have uh, negated the reveal of Leia being his sister in return of the Jedi. That's always been my take on it. Uh, Naima. Um, why did Invader sends that Leia was um, his daughter? When did he find out? Yeah. Why didn't he send it? You know, that, um, I've, I've heard several theories on that and he didn't, I, I think part of the reason he didn't sense it is because Leia never knew who her, her real mother was or her real father. And she also didn't know that she was force sensitive. You know, we find out later that, that she is obviously she trains to be to trains in the ways of the force. And after the end of return of the Jedi, but I've always assumed that it was a result of her not tapping into the force. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Lord of the Rings, but uh, in that story, uh, anytime somebody puts on the ring of power, that's when Sauron can see it. And otherwise it's sort of concealed. And I've always felt the force works kind of the same way. The more you tap into it, the more visible you are to other force users. But if you're not tapping into it and you're not conscious of it, you're sort of invisible to them. And I've always thought that that was why he didn't sense it to begin with. He did ultimately sense it when Luke gave it away with his feelings uh, when they were fighting at the end of Return of the Jedi. And, uh, you know, Leia even said when, uh, when Luke revealed it to her, she said, somehow I've always known. 
which kind of shows that she was force sensitive. But I've, I've always kind of assumed that it was a combination of she was not tapping into the force. So she was sort of hidden from him. He didn't know that they were supposed to be twins. So Vader didn't know he was supposed to be looking for another child. He just knew uh, that the Padme died in childbirth and, or that he killed her and then the, the, the baby was dead. So it's kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing, I feel like. And he didn't know to be looking for it. So he might have sent something, but he wasn't sure what it was. He probably just assumed it was some long lost relative. That's how I've always thought about it. Yeah, I, I find that to be uh, very close to what I what I've always gone with as well. And and I think of it also like in terms of like the Highlander movies where they can sense each other, like they're kind of activated in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then now now you're on the radar, but before that, it's you, you might as well be an, an, a nobody. But as soon as right is like your power has been activated. Now you're on the radar. Now I can start paying attention uh, to you. But whereas before I wouldn't have any reason to suspect. And and if you did sense something, you would just assume it was a blip or or something. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, Josie. Why did the emperor want Luke if he was going to die? Because there can only be like two Siths at a time. So why did the emperor want Darth Vader to bring Luke if there can only be two? The thing you have to remember with the emperor is he is extremely confident in himself. He's extremely cocky and arrogant. And he assumed that Luke, I've always thought that he assumed that Luke was going to kill Vader and join him. And it's, it's sort of a, he, I felt like he was trying to trade up to a new model for lack of a better term. You know, he's got this, this young, strong Jedi who's even, even less uh, uh, less educated in the Force than than Anakin was when he became Darth Vader. So he's almost like even more moldable and even more for, uh, formable. He can he can you know mold him and shape him to his will. So I've always assumed that the Emperor knew that uh, he wasn't going to be the one that was going to bite the dust. He always knew that he he assumed that Luke was going to take out Vader. Or the flip side of that, if Vader did take out Luke, then that just proves that Vader is the stronger of the two. So basically it's as long as he doesn't die, it's a, it's a no lose situation. It's a win-win for the emperor in that scenario. He's going to end up with the stronger apprentice. Sophia. Um, I was wondering why when um, Palpatine and Mace were fighting, Palpatine uses his electricity and he starts aging rather quickly and I was wondering if that was on purpose because when he was fighting uh, Yoda or Luke, he was also using electricity, yet he didn't age during that point. That is the only, that's a great question. And this is something I didn't notice the first time I watched it. If you go back and watch it a little more closely, when he's shooting the lightning at Mace window, Windu, Mace is using his lightsaber to reflect it back onto the Emperor. So he's basically attacking him back with the the lightning and that's he's getting hit by that sith lightning and it's that's what's happening there is it's it's taking its toll on him and i've also always wondered if maybe and then this is something that i uh, mr dickinson may be able to have, have heard something about but this is just something i personally always thought i've always wondered if that was his true face like all of his dealings with the dark side of the force had aged him and he was using some sort of force ability to make himself look a little more attractive and I always thought it was a combination of the lightning coming back on him and him just finally revealing his true face. Because that that is the face of someone who is that evil to me. So that's a great question, though. 
but the the official answer is it was Mace directing the light the the lightning back on him. Yeah, I remember that was the the biggest question uh, when I had you on a few years ago. That one of my students came up with that that I had never never thought of that before. And yeah, uh, I tend to tend to agree. I think that that is kind of his his true face. And and I always come back to you know this isn't supposed to be realistic. It's myth, right? So it's I don't need to understand fantasy, the science yeah. behind why his face changes and Luke's doesn't. Uh, but you do see that he is he's fully revealed as uh, Darth Sidious, you know, at this point. And so it, it kind of thematically makes sense that that would be his his true face, for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eli. How did the Hutt clan accumulate all of their wealth and power when they're like only slugs? <laughs> They are, uh, yeah, there are so many, so many huts out in the galaxy and, uh, it's, they're basically all just gangsters. They're mobsters and, uh, they deal in intimidation and power and the fact that they're slugs. Uh, I honestly don't know how they first came to power, but I know that they've been in power for so long that they're universally known and feared. And the, the fact that they're, we, we don't see it in the movies, but they, they do have ways of getting around. They can move, you know, and, uh, and most of them have like, I think they call them hyperlifts or turbo lifts that they, uh, that they just kind of float around on. But the main thing is they always surround themselves with muscle. They use their, they use their, their money, their ill-gotten gains to, uh, to amass armies and uh, pay off the right people. And uh, I, I, yeah, but to be honest, I don't know how they originally came to it other than I think they probably just took over their own planet first and then just started little by little taking over planet after planet. Kind of like you see with uh, the modern day mafia, we'll start taking over a a city block or a gang will take over a city block and then gradually move outward from there. So that, that's kind of how I've always assumed that that happened, but uh, I'm sure it's probably been addressed somewhere in a comic or a book somewhere, but I've never, never read that myself. That's always just been my assumption. Uh, Garrett, why don't you go ahead and jump in? I have a few questions, if that's okay. <laughs> um, but so um, with the prophecy of like the chosen one, Anakin, uh, did Dark Vader, was Dark Vader just an, uh, was he just like not supposed to happen or was it going to happen anyway? Did it matter if he turned to Dark Vader or if he stayed at Anakin? That's assuming that Vader was that Anakin was indeed the chosen one. There is there is some conjecture about whether or not that was actually true. In fact, Yoda says in uh, it's either Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith that uh, misread the uh, the prophecy could have been the prophecy could have been misled. I misread. I don't know why I felt the need to put that in Yoda's vernacular. Uh, but um, I have never really thought that he was the quote-unquote chosen one i've always subscribed to the school of thought that he was created by either darth plagueis or darth sidious and his ultimate his ultimate fate was always going to be what it was which is not to say that he had no choice in the matter but um i think that uh palpatine is just such a master manipulator that he pull just the right strings at just the right time to make it happen. So I don't necessarily think that Anakin was the chosen one. Uh, I think that, uh, I think Luke was the chosen one. And I think that uh, Sidious was, was trying to 
bring about the downfall of the Jedi. And you can say that the force intervened and used Anakin to produce the one who would eventually bring balance to the force. That's how I've always chosen to, uh, to read it because I'm someone who believes a lot and star Wars is, is all about hope. And I'm someone who believes in hope and being positive and things like that. And I've always just, uh, just uh, pointed to that as being, okay, this was, this was the force making lemonade out of lemons or making Luke out of lemons. But I do think that it was ultimately uh, Vader was always going to end up being Vader. Uh, Naima, why don't you jump in? Um, why didn't Leia become a Jedi? Leia actually did train to become a Jedi, and that's something you see in the the the, the sequel trilogy, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And it's stated in The Rise of Skywalker that she began her training, but she stopped because she saw a vision in the Force that once she completed her training, her children would be destroyed. And uh, she, they only, she and Han only had one child who uh, turned out to be, spoilers, who turned out to be the, the main villain in the sequel trilogy. So she did train to be a Jedi, but uh, a, uh, a hitch in the force made her stop. And also, her, her passion was not, and her, her, her journey was not to be one of a Jedi. Her was, was one to be that of a leader. And while you can be a leader and a Jedi, you can't fully commit to the life of a Jedi and be the kind of leader that she was. And I think she ultimately did more good uh, as General Organa and as a leader than she would have had as, as a Jedi anyway. But she did actually, uh, she did actually train for a time to be a Jedi. We just didn't see it in the uh, the first six films. Garrett, go ahead and uh, ask another question. Okay. Um... So in the last movie, I, I kind of want to know what classifies a Jedi from a Sith. Because in the last movie, when Luke was fighting Vader, he got mad and used anger for his power. So wouldn't that classify him as using the dark side as his power uh, from when he's getting his power? Or does it really matter? In that moment, Luke was tapping into the dark side of the Force. But being tempted by something does not make you guilty of that. And I think it was a situation where he's, there's this, there's this whole idea that Luke, because he is Anakin's son is always just one step away from tilting over to the dark side and following the ways of the Sith. But it was his, uh, his commitment to not doing that and his, his decision when he realized what was happening to stop, step back and say, this is not what I need to be doing. Uh, and at that moment, that's when he threw his lightsaber away and said, I'm, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. So that was what you're seeing there is probably the most pivotal moment in Luke's life, certainly as a Jedi and probably as a person in general, as he had a, a choice to make in that moment. Do I continue down this road? I know I can defeat him if I keep tapping into this or do I step away and stop tapping into this? Because I know even if I win this battle, giving in to the dark side is going to make me lose this war. So I, I think that's the main difference between a Jedi and a Sith is a Jedi wants to use their, their, the force to help others. And they're, they're interested in harmony and a Sith is only interested in power. What can it do for me? Uh, so we probably have time for maybe two more questions uh, for Jeff. So Aiden, why don't you jump in? 
Um, so, so like most of the like dark side people use the lightning. Is that like only a dark side power, or do the other Jedi know how to use it, but just don't use it? You know, that's something that I'm not. I don't know that's ever been really addressed. I think that it's probably I've always, and again, this has always been my interpretation of it. Is is it something that any Force user can learn how to use, but it's there is nothing constructive that can be done by shooting lightsabers or, or light, lightning out of your fingers. So I've always thought that it was uh, it was a, a power that is possible for any Force user, but the Sith are the only ones who ever really make use of it because it's only about destruction. It's only about destruction and power. Uh, we saw in Attack of the Clones, Yoda, you know, balled it up and, and sent it back at the Emperor. So I think that is proof that it can be used by other Jedi, by, by Jedi and not just Sith. But I don't think, I don't think it's something that you can, that you can uh, tap into from the light side of the force, if that makes sense. Um, it's, 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 it's a dark side power basically. And so to tap into it, you have to really give into that. Uh, Garrett's last question. If Luke had kept going down that path of tapping into the dark side, he might've been able to uh, come up with some lightning to counteract the emperor, but you know, that would have cost him his soul basically. So you Garrett, you, you have another question. Yeah. Feel free to jump in. Last one. Um, so say you're a normal person in the Star Wars universe, can you train yourself to have uh, midichlorians to become a Jedi or a Sith? See, this is one of the things that I dislike the most about the prequels is the introduction of the midichlorians because in the original trilogy, the Force was very ethereal, very magical, and it it really there were people who were Force-sensitive, but you kind of didn't know who was and who wasn't, and it sort of made it seem a little more like somebody could just focus and really learn to tap into it. But with the introduction of the midichlorians, it really sort of made it um, kind of a class thing. If you, if you had enough midichlorians in your blood, you could tap into the force. So my thought on it has always been since then that if you have enough midichlorians that you can feel the force, you can learn to harness that. But at the end of the day, you're only as strong as your midichlorian count. Now you can, you can be, top of your class for your midichlorian count. If you got a midichlorian count of, I don't know, 50, which is probably on the low end. I don't even really know. Uh, you could be the best 50 that there is, but you're never going to be as good as somebody who has, you know, a midichlorian count of a hundred or more. So that's, and that's why it's so easy for Anakin to, uh, to tap into it is because he has a higher midichlorian count even than master Yoda, according to Obi-Wan. So yeah, good question though. How did you guys feel about that? I'm curious uh, in seeing them. How did you feel when, it, what order did you watch them in? So we went with the uh, four, five, one, two, three, six order. So we did the okay, the machete flashback. order. Yep. So how did you guys feel when you found out when you saw the Phantom Menace that it that it that it depended on midichlorians? Just somebody at random. Did it bum you out? Did you like it? Did you think it was cool? It felt like a cheap excuse. That's fair, because you know when I saw it in 1999, I had been living with this. This, these movies, the first three movies for most of my life. I saw the first one when I was three years old. So uh, it, it, it kind of felt, it, it felt like a, a big hiccup to me as well. So I was, I'm, I'm always curious to see people who, who see them all basically in, in order or in, in a short amount of time, how, how it affects you as well. So that's interesting. 
Uh, I think that's the last of the hand raised questions. I have some in the in the chat, but again, I want to make sure I'm respectful of your time. Do you want to stick around, or do you want to? Do you need to? No, let's, to bail? let's do a couple. Let's do a couple from the chat. Okay. Uh, Isaac says, uh, "Did Anakin bring balance since there were no more Sith, but Luke was alive?" That's that de- all depends on your definition of balance, and it's never really explicitly spelled out, which I think is great. That's one of the strengths of Star Wars. Uh, some people would say that balance would mean. One Jedi, one Sith, that's balance. Uh, some would say no Sith, no Jedi is balance, or one. some could say that a Jedi order without any Sith brings balance. So I've always been of the opinion that Luke brought balance to the Force when he killed the Emperor and, and uh, gave peace to Anakin. But if you watch, you read any of the, any of the Expanded Universe stuff, or you see any of the, uh, the films that came out, from 2015 on, you learn that balance is something that has to be maintained. It's not something you just set, you get, and you're there. So I feel like he did bring balance to the force, but I don't think it lasted that long because again, you guys know, I, if you've ever seen me on a skateboard, you know, the balance is very, very tough to achieve and even tougher to maintain. So that's always been my thought on it. Yeah. I really like that, Jeff. I, I, I've not heard a lot of people talk about the fact that the balance is, as a, as a temporary, a tenuous thing at best, right? Because yeah. that was one of my big things with, I, you know, I, I would subscribe to the theory that Anakin did bring balance to the force. That's, I go with, he's the chosen one. That's just, that's just my opinion on that. Right. Uh, but then, you know, you have the sequel trilogy where the force is out of balance again. And of course it is. If you subscribe to the theory that balance is very hard to maintain and it wouldn't take a whole lot to, to throw it out of balance. So. Uh, I love the fact that we go back to that illustration, like, like the skateboard, right? Just yeah. think of those two things. It doesn't take much for things to slide left or right. So, And the dark I side, the dark side of the force is so much. I've always thought the dark side of the force is presented as being so much easier to tap into because let's face it. Anger is a very, very, very powerful emotion. Just like sadness. There's a reason that it takes 10 positive comments to counteract one negative comment. So the dark side of the force and, and, evil is much is is in a way as much stronger than good not necessarily stronger but just easier to tap into and easier to uh, fall into so it's not going to take much like mr dickens said it's not going to take much to uh, to to shift that out of balance so that's kind of how i've always thought about it okay another question uh, lane asks was obi-wan training to disappear with qui-gon while luke was growing up on tatooine that's what has been indicated there is a there is a cut scene from revenge of the sith they wanted to get liam neeson back as qui-gon jinn when yoda says to obi-wan uh i think he says uh lessons i have for you or work i have for you to do or something while you're in in your uh, solitude and uh he was supposed to appear qui-gon jinn was supposed to appear to both of them and he he was the first one who had uh, according to the lore now, he was the first one who had learned how to come back as a force ghost. So part of what Obi-Wan was doing in that time was, yes, was communing with, uh, with Qui-Gon and, and probably uh, all the other force users that had gone before him and learning how to do that. And I, you know, there's a, there's a Kenobi series in the works right now for Disney plus, and we may see some of that there. I'm hoping that they will at least reference it. So short answer. Yes. Yeah. I'm hoping for that too. Uh, let's see. Danny asks, how big of an impact do you think Ahsoka had on Anakin during her time with him and after she left? 
I think she had a huge impact on him while she was with him. Uh, unfortunately, uh, as we saw, uh, it, it was a very out of sight, out of mind scenario. Um, we did see them in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon. We did see them meet back up and you saw him, you saw Vader being very conflicted about it, but he was also at a certain point, I feel like Vader had to go all in on the emperor, regardless of any misgivings he had, because the relationship between a master and apprentice with a Sith is very much the same as a manipulator and the person they're manipulating or, or even a, a, a cult leader. You, you hear a lot of people that are involved in cults who have trouble getting out because they've sunk so much of themselves, be it emotionally, mentally, physically, financially into something that they have trouble breaking loose from that. And I think we saw a lot, I think we see a lot of that with Darth Vader, regardless of any, uh, any misgivings or any conflict within him at the end of the day, I've, I've been doing this for 15, 20, 30 years. How can I turn my back on it now? Basically, uh, sunk the the idea of a sunk cost so that's kind of how i've always seen that so ahsoka i think um had she stayed around could have uh, maybe had uh more of an influence on on him but because she did leave and if you watch the the clone wars cartoon you understand completely why she made the decision that she did uh i think to for anakin's in his mindset at the time it was well that's one more person who left me I don't know if that actually answered anything, but no, it's that's I, I would tend to agree. Uh, what, let's see. Kaya says, why was Mace the only one with an amethyst lightsaber? Because Samuel L. Jackson's favorite color is purple. That's it. He uh, he asked uh, George Lucas at one point. He said, so what color are the lightsabers? He says, well, Sith get red lightsabers. Uh, Jedi get either blue or green. He said, well, can I have purple? And Lucas just said, Okay, you can have purple. There was no significance to it other than that. At the time, there was a lot of chatter and a lot of theories about how he might be like a dark Jedi because purple is kind of halfway between blue and red, but it's really just because Samuel L. Jackson's favorite color is purple. You see a movie with him, especially any movie that's been made within the last 20 years, and there's always some sort of purple element worked into any scene he's in. So that's his favorite color. That makes let's sense. Do, let's, let's do let's do two more. So we got we got let's do get the two best ones. Okay. Uh, oh, I like this one. Dorothy asks, "Is there a specific reason Anakin's and Padme's relationship was so toxic?" You mean besides the fact that uh, <clears throat> they had to keep it secret and they weren't supposed to be doing it and it was illegal? I think any relationship that Anakin Skywalker had with anyone was going to end up being toxic because he was such a damaged individual. When you I liken a lot of Anakin's uh, issues to to mental illness. That's a that's a big passion for me. That subject is a big passion for me. And when you are dealing with someone who has some sort of mental illness, be it depression, uh, bipolar disorder, anything that, that's that's a chemical imbalance that they cannot control, it's sometimes, many times, impossible for them to form any kind of a healthy bond with anyone or have any kind of a healthy relationship. And I think that's what happened here. And when you couple that with the fact that he had no social skills, you've got, you've got Padme who had all the social skills in the world because she was trained to be a diplomat and Anakin who grew up as a slave for the first nine years of his life. And then after that was pretty much, I would say isolated within the, uh, the world of, of the Jedi, then you've got somebody who's basically an adult who has no life experience whatsoever. So 
this is the first time he's felt this and he doesn't know what to do with those emotions. Uh, you know, as teenagers, you know, we're, and even as adults, we're, we're so governed by our emotions that a lot of times we can't help ourselves and we can't form any kind of a healthy bond. And so I think at the end of the day, it was always doomed to failure because he didn't have, he didn't have any kind of coping mechanisms. He didn't have any kind of support network that he could talk to somebody about with it, which is why secret relationships are not a good idea. Cause when things go wrong, you can't, you can't bounce out. You can't bounce anything off of anybody else. You can't go to your support network because it's something that's not supposed to be happening. So that's something to remember. Life lessons, right? Yep. Uh, so, okay. So here's our last one. Uh, Ayla says, how would the story have changed if Anakin never went over to the dark side? What would be different in the movies? Well, it would have ended after the movie, the episode three. So we wouldn't have ever gotten episodes four five and six. So uh, had that happened, he prob we probably would have only gotten the prequel trilogy. And I don't know how the stories would be. My life would be immeasurably different. You can see behind me, there's a Star Wars poster. There's Star Wars all over my, all over my, my house. I don't think that the, uh, the story would have been nearly as interesting because the, uh, the journey of Anakin Skywalker is, is, is a tragedy and that's what makes it so interesting and everything that, that grew out of that with, with Luke and everything. So I think had he not gone over to the dark side, A, I don't think we'd have much of a story. It would be a very unsatisfying story. And at the end of the day, what would have happened is Padme Amidala would have had two kids who came out looking suspiciously like this Jedi that she's very close to, but it can't be his kids because Jedi are forbidden from forming any kind of emotional attachment. So what would have happened is he would have been drummed out of the Jedi order and he would have been painting houses and to try to support the family. And she would have been kicked out of the Senate in, in disgrace. And I, I'm joking about that part, but it's, it's probably not far off from the truth because Anakin didn't have any, uh, any marketable skills other than, Hey, I can float fruit, float fruit and kill sand people. Exactly. All right. Um, well, thank you again so much for joining us, Jeff. It was, this was, it was great. a pleasure having you. This was great. And I, I'm glad you guys are, are, are getting into this. And it seems like you guys are enjoying it for the most part. So I'm really glad about that. It's, it's uh, the, the thing about Star Wars, the thing that I love the most about Star Wars has very little to do with the films themselves. My passion for Star Wars has more to do with the the friendships that I've forged over the years as a result of it. You know, Mr. Dickinson and I became friends because we have a shared interest. We've never been in the same room together yet, but we have a shared interest. We have things we can talk about. And as a result, we become friends outside of Star Wars. So uh, it's it's important to uh, to find things that you like and to find other people who like the same things. And I'm, I'm glad we're able to do this. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as I have. Every time I do this, Mr. Dickinson, I, I come away thinking about stuff I hadn't thought about before. So yep. these guys are awesome. Absolutely. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you, sir. And once again, special thanks to Jeff McGee for taking time out of his busy schedule. We truly appreciate it. And as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook or you can email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies.